0: Well, come on, who's glad to be in church today? Come on, make some noise if you're glad to be in church today. Welcome. Want to welcome every location, Short North, Polaris, Hilliard, those watching on television, online, from the hundreds of prisons joining us, tuned in across 49 states. Come on, church, put your hands together. We welcome you, we welcome you. We think it's a really big deal that you would choose to worship alongside of us. We're, we're grateful to worship alongside of you. Um, how many of you are ready to, to get the party started if we've not already? Come on. If we've not already. Um, man, I love that first song. I might just start singing in the middle of this message. We'll just have to bring the team back out, go right back into it we we think it's a really big deal that's the name of the series we're in right now and what we're doing is we're we're diving into the values that this church is built on we have 12 values and one mission And um, each week, week by week, we're unpacking the values that this church is built on. All of our values are to support the mission. And and what we say of our mission is our mission is to make heaven full. Amen. It's it's about the, the most simplistic way that we can boil down everything Jesus said, all that Jesus came to do and to accomplish. He said, I've come to seek and save the lost. And he tells us story after story after story of his heart for the lost. He, he says, I would, I would choose to walk away from momentarily the 99 who are safe and sound and on their way to heaven already if for just one who remains lost still so I can go and find her, so I can go and find him and bring him home. And, and we say this, look, we, we exist, we're here to, to make heaven full. And how we do that, it's uh, our values. Our, our values are how, how we live out this mission. And one of our values Is simply this. If Jesus is for the one, then then we too are for the one. If Jesus came to seek and save the lost, then we too will pursue every lost one until every lost one is found. It, it, It doesn't get more basic and simple than this. This is our value. Another value is we celebrate. We celebrate. Why? Because every person has a name, every name has a story, every story matters. To God, And again, in in the 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 back-to-back-to-back stories that Jesus tells in Luke 15, we talked about these stories last week. But he says this, every time somebody who's lost is found, not only is there a party on earth, but there's a party in heaven. And we just think if heaven throws a party, we ought to throw one too. It's going to be a bigger party in heaven, but we ought to make it as big a party as we can on earth. If heaven celebrates, we too will celebrate. Third value, we've covered these. I'm just kind of giving you a quick recap. Third value we've talked about already is this, that we are becoming fully devoted followers of Jesus. We're not there yet. We've not arrived yet, but this process of transformation, sanctification by the Holy Spirit, as we learn to submit to him, to, to walk in step with him, to follow the word of God, we are day by day becoming more and more like Jesus, We're called beyond belief. We're called to follow Jesus. And to follow him means we're, we're taking steps with him. We're, we're moving with him. And then another value we've talked about is the one that says this. We are contributors, not consumers. The church does not exist for us. We are the church, and we exist for the world around us. And I would say this, not just in this church, but as I talk with pastors nationwide, churches all over the nation, healthy churches, growing churches, life-giving churches, a lot of churches are experiencing what we're experiencing right now. And that is for the first time in our 10-year history, we are, we are seeing this particular value challenged right now. And that's because, if we're honest, the past 18 months, what it's done is it's turned a whole lot of former contributors into current consumers. And I've just come to tell you, church, it's time we shake off the cobwebs. Come on, somebody. We've got to shake off the lazy. We've got to shake off the fear. We've got to shake off the anxiety. We've got to get back to work. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, unless there's a pandemic. Oh wait, Jesus didn't say that, did he? He said nothing about unless there's a pandemic. We, we need to stop using COVID as a cover for our inaction indefinitely. Come on. It went from Two, year, two weeks to flatten the curve. Let's all stay home to two months. We're, we're coming up on two years. We, listen, we should have never stopped doing anything. Come on, somebody. The, the, the church doesn't stop doing anything. We go. We go. Why? Because if we're not reaching lost people, who, are, who is reaching lost people? If we're not serving the world, who is serving the world? If we're not loving people, who is loving people? Nobody. Jesus didn't give the mission to the world. He gave this mission to the church. So we're either living the mission or we're we're missing it. We're, we're either fulfilling the mission or we're failing the mission. And, and right now, in a lot of ways, I, I would say we're failing the mission. And we, we've got to get back on track, church. And, and, and let me just say to you, look, if you were a contributor, you, you used to show up and you weren't just part of a church. But you're, you, you would say, I, I'm a builder of the church. But you're not building the church today. You're just showing up to church today. Can, can we just get back on track and start building together again? Can we start building the church together again? Jesus said the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And that is what we, too, have been called to do, to give our lives for the cause of Christ and for the sake of others. One last value we've covered thus far is we will not be complacent. A church that never stops going is a church that will never stop growing. And we unpacked this last week. It's, it's not just talking about a, a growing church numerically, more people, but, but because we are the church, as this church grows numerically, we are growing individually, personally, day by day. We're growing spiritual maturity sanctification spiritual growth and development so so we've we've covered the mission is a really big deal we've covered growth is a really big deal today I want to talk to you about excellence we think excellence is a really big deal and the reason excellence is a really big deal is because it it has a lot to do with how we approach the mission how we contribute how we engage and, and we walk this thing out together and with the spirit the what, the mission, that is clear. The objective, it's been given. But, but how we accomplish the mission, with, with what attitude, with, with what level of resolve, intensity, focus, determination, that's up to each and every one of us. And so we say it like this, whatever we do, we do it with excellence. We always bring our best. We don't think we are the best, but we always bring our best. Why? Because Excellence honors God and inspires people. Do You want to live a God-honoring life? Then live a life of excellence. You want to live a life that inspires the world around you to follow Jesus? Live an excellent life. And it's not just because God desires it. It's because, let's be honest, he deserves our highest everything. Amen? So, Lord, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear your word today? May we be good and faithful stewards of this life that you've given. May we live lives of excellence, lives that honor you, and lives that would inspire the people around us to follow you, because that's our goal. Would you do that? Would you reveal yourself to us in a way that's fresh and new? In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Come on, can we honor Jesus one more time together? I almost uh, called this message, We Think Work is a really big deal. I, I think you'll see why in just a moment. I wanna open with just a few passages. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1. The Apostle Paul is writing to new believers. He's writing to a young, new church, and, and he says this. Finally, then, brothers and sisters, we request and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you received instruction from us as to how you ought to walk and please God, that you would excel Even more, you would live a life of excellence, that you would excel even more. He goes on in verse three, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. And that is that you would abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you would know how to possess your own self. Come on, somebody, that you would know how to possess your own body, your own vessel in sanctification and in honor, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God. So right off the bat, he's writing to new believers. He's saying, look, you ought to look different in the world. You ought to be different in the world. You ought to act different than the world. I want you to excel in this. And then he goes on and he uses that word again. He says, but we urge you, brothers and sisters, excel even more. And I think, I think this verse right here, I think this is verse 10 and 11. I, th- this verse right here ought to be like the, uh, our theme verse for 2021. It ought to be like the world's verse for 2021. Because I love what he says here, watch this. That you would excel even more and make it your ambition. Anybody look at the world right now and think we could all use a shot of ambition? Anybody? Come on. Like, like we just need some ambition. My, my wife has often said, um, God help us if we ever need a draft again. Like if we're gonna draft this generation and go to war, like what, what are we gonna do? Just like, oh my God, you need us to work. It's like, no, yes, we need you to work. Make it your ambition, have some, ambition. Don't just stay home and collect benefits because you can. Come on, you were created for something better than that, more than that, right? More than that. Have some ambition, some self-respect. Watch this, lead a quiet life. Anybody think it's just like, look, people need to shut up sometimes, right? Like get off social media. I don't, I don't need to know your every thought, amen? Like you don't need to know mine either. That's why I got off Twitter. I realized people actually don't want to know my every thought. And I realized that because of the pushback, it's just, it's constant. You can't even say good morning on Twitter. Somebody's gonna immediately violently respond to that. Like, like find something wrong with good morning on Twitter. What, what if we just like actually led a quiet life? What if we attended to our own business? Oh my goodness. You mean I might attend to my business and you might attend to your business and we might still be able to get along. What if we applied this to life? Come on, somebody. This... And work, and work with your hands, just as we instructed you so that you will know how to behave properly toward outsiders and you may not be in any need. Now, anytime something's repeated in, in the word, it's an important word. When, when God, like, r- repeats himself, we best pay attention And and twice in this passage, he he says that that you would excel, that you would excel even more and and work. He's saying, look, don't don't live a life of indifference. Live an excellent life. Don't don't live a life that's mundane and mediocre. Live an excellent life. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to, to attend to your business. Let everybody else attend to their business and work. I wanna say just a few things about work and this isn't in your notes, but, but it's so important that we understand this about work. And, and the first is that, that work is not a curse, it is a gift from God. Work is not a curse, it's a gift from God. Genesis chapter two, verse 15, the Lord God took the man and he put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. So, so the first time when, when God says, hey Adam, I want you to, to work it, flip it and reverse it, he's talking about the dirt. The soil, he's talking about, I want you to produce something. I want you to do something. When you you read this in context to the whole story, what you find out is is God gives Adam the gift of work before he gives Adam the gift of marriage, before he even creates Eve. Come on, before he even created sex, before he he came up with that. Thank God he did come up with that. But before he came up with that, he said, I'm going to give you something to do with your hands. I want you to work. Work is a gift. And maybe that's why the the, the one thing that's most unattractive to a godly woman is a lazy man, because by the time Eve shows up on the scene, come on, somebody, Adam already knew how to work. He he already knew how to work. He he wasn't just a a, a, a stay-at-home kind of like sit around on his hands. No, she met him. He already knew how to work. Work isn't the result of sin. This is before the fall. This is before sin. Work is a gift. And there's a second thing, and that is there, there is a direct correlation between our willingness to work and our needs being met. He said, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and work, dot, 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 so that you will not be in any need. Now, he, he's not talking about if you can't work, if you're unable to work, then, then, then we ought to. the church ought to be the first to care for those who are unable to work, amen? If you're unable to work, I'm not shaming you for that. There are some people who are unable to work, and we ought to do our best to come alongside of you and, and help you, and that's what, that's what uh, benefits are for, and that, that's what we ought to do, take care of those who, who are unable to, but unable to and can't to are starting to look like the same thing, let's be honest. Second Thessalonians chapter three, verse 10, it says this, the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. We hear that some among you are idle and disruptive. You're not busy, you're busy bodies. In other words, you're, you're just living a no good life. Come on, like your 24 seven job is to dig up 12 year old tweets so you can shame somebody or cancel somebody for what they said when they were 15, right? I mean, it's the world we're living in. That's how much time you got on your hands. What, what if you actually put your time to work and you did something productive with your life? Just, just get out the house and do something productive. He goes on and he says, such people we command and urge in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and to earn the food you eat. As for you, brothers and sisters, you never tire of doing what is good. So don't be lazy. Don't, don't expect maximum wage for minimum effort. Don't, don't, don't stay all at, at home all day and just not work because it's easier to just collect the benefits. No, you were created for more than that. You were created like God created the heavens and the earth. You've been created by God in the image of God to create, to produce, to nurture, to steward, to make something of this life that you've been given by God, not just to waste it. Jesus said, let your light shine before others that that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. He's saying when you you do good, when when, when you work with your hands, when you you become a producer, you, you bring glory to God and you inspire others to do the same. A deed well done honors God and inspires people. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward for your hard, worthwhile, fruitful work. It is the Lord Christ that you are serving. Now, this isn't just a um, let's build a church message. We can apply this to the church. It's not just a um, while I'm at work message. We, We can apply this at work whatever our job is we can apply this at home we can apply this at school we can apply this in our marriages like, like what if you actually approach your marriage as if under the lord how much better would your marriage be come on what what if you approach parenting as if under the lord how much better would your parenting be what what if you uh, approached your career as unto the lord how much better might your career be or your relationships as unto the lord how much better might your relationships be I got to thinking about what, what might it look like to live a life of excellence and, and how, how might we just get real practical with this message. I, I came up with five statements as to how we can live lives of, of excellence, lives that inspire people to follow God and lives that honor God. And the first is this, that, that we always bring our best. We always bring our best. It's not that we are the best, it's that we always bring our best. And I love this verse in Proverbs chapter 12. So, so practical. It says this lazy people irritate their employers like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes. (laughs) Some of you don't read your Bible enough. The the Proverbs are incredible. (laughs) And you could just scratch out employers and just put, read it. Lazy people irritate people. They irritate their friends. They irritate their family. Like vinegar to the teeth, smoke to the eyes. What's the opposite of inspire people to follow God? It's got to be to irritate them so much they don't want to be around you and they don't want to serve your God, right? What's what's the opposite of lazy? It's got to be somebody who brings their best no matter the moment. We tend to think of work as just what we do like for a paycheck, I, I've had a lot of jobs and um, I've not liked most of them. I like this one, but this is not just a job, it's a calling. So uh, a career and a calling, it can, might, might look two, di- two different things. Your career might be your calling, but you might have a career and you might have a calling and you're, you're living your calling through your career, but I I had a lot of jobs. I I think my least favorite jobs, because it was particularly in a season where I felt the closest to stepping into my calling, but I felt still so far away. I was stocking shelves at GFS, so I was putting potatoes on the shelf, wearing an apron at GFS, and I also worked at Pier One at the same time, assorting candles. Now, if you know me, you, you know this, that was not my dream, like life's ambition, to do either of those jobs. One time I, I needed work and I was going to school full time and I was in the Air National Guard so that, that took up one weekend a month. Um, I was also volunteering in my church as a youth pastor and a worship leader and I always had at least two jobs on top of that and I, I had a mentor once who, who told me, if you need work, just open the phone book. And that, that was a book that used to have everybody's number in it. And there was a business section, and that was where you could look up local businesses' phone numbers. And, um, and he said, just open the business section and start making calls and just ask for, for a job. That's easy. So I opened to the Cs, and I turned to the concrete section. And I remembered, it's funny, I turned to the concrete section because that same mentor said, but let me just tell you one job to stay away from. Concrete work is backbreaking work. And um, thing is, I already knew that because I was in a civil engineering unit in the Air Guard. And so I'd already worked with concrete. I'd already, um, we, we, we did whole, like we, we repaired holes in the runway in Afghanistan. We, we laid down asphalt roads throughout the Middle East. We built buildings. I already knew how to work with concrete. But so I'm like, no, I, I do that on the weekends. I don't need to do that every day. So, so I turned again and I got to the um, construction pages and I thought well I'll just start with the A's so I, I called an A and and um, nobody answered so I called another A and nobody answered so then I, about my third or fourth call I got to the B's I, just, I was kind of skipping along and um, I, I think it was BH Construction um, in Toledo I called and the the owner answered the phone and I just said hey I'm, I'm my name is Chad I'm I'm 19 I'm looking for a job and and he said do you have a tool belt and I lied and I told him I did he said, can you be on the, the job site? It, it's 7 tomorrow morning. I had class, but I thought I've skipped enough class. I know how to do that, so I, I might, yeah, I'll be there at 7 so I can pay for the class I'm skipping out on. <laughs> Showed up. I did that job for like a, a year. I, I, I stripped and waxed floors. I need to think about that statement because somebody's going to cut that up on the Internet and just, just <laughs> I stripped and waxed floors. at a hospital (laughs) because those people are just sick. They needed to be cheered up, you know what I'm saying? Like (laughs) wax floors at a hospital, hated that job. But here's why I tell you, here's why I say all all that. So many jobs, just amazing to me. But I didn't like any of them. I I didn't feel called to any of them. But as I I look back and I think about those, those jobs that I had, even though they weren't my calling, I can think about, literally names and faces will come to mind. I, I can remember in each of those instances a person where we would be having lunch together. We, we would be on break together. And, and um, you know, eventually just my faith story would come up. In different ways i never forced it but but you know hey uh, the guys are going out we're, we're gonna you know go to the bar afterwards and and drink and, and be like well i'm underage or you know I, I don't drink and why not or um hey you know i i've got this thing going on tonight and well what thing well i'm i'm a youth volunteer for what for a church what are you what are you a jesus person like what was that what's that even mean and i i would tell my story, and, you know, we might actually, you know, start a church someday, or, we you know, I just, I just have a, I just feel like I'm called by God, like, I don't even believe in God. It's like, that, that's cool, man, I, I, I'm not trying to make you believe in God, I'm just telling you my story, and, and I can think back to, to, to these moments where, where there would always be one or two People in those rooms where later on they would pull me aside and say, hey, can we, can we talk about something? Hey, I heard you, you sharing something about faith or I heard that you, you might be a part of a church. I was thinking about maybe checking out a church or two, but I, I've not really found one. And I got to realize sometimes we, we separate like ministry and, and calling from like it's its own little category. But, but what if we woke up every day realizing that our life is a ministry? Come on, somebody. That every, every, every space I walk into, that's a ministry opportunity. Every job that I'm getting paid for, that, that's a ministry moment. That's a, that's a ministry opportunity. We are ministers. We are ambassadors of Jesus. We, 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 we are his kingdom people on the earth. I think about Daniel who was a prisoner of war, Daniel who was enslaved in an exile, who, who I can guarantee you did not enjoy his workplace environment. Come on. Like as a slave, as, as a, a man in exile, he, he did not agree with his workplace culture. He had a problem with, with, with the people in charge. He, 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 he did not like his, his, his moment. But the Bible tells us in Daniel 6 verse 3 that, that he so distinguished himself among the administrators by his exceptional Qualities that the king planned to set him over the entire kingdom. So Daniel, who, who doesn't like where he's at, Daniel, who, who doesn't agree with much that's going on in the culture, he, he doesn't like his workplace environment, he just shows up every day with these exceptional qualities. He shows up every day saying, I'm going to bring my best always, and he, he catches the eye of an earthly king. At the same time, he's inspiring his heavenly king, and the Lord just allows Daniel to be promoted and promoted and promoted and promoted. And the, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter six, 18, verse nine, that. that. A lazy person is as bad as somebody who destroys things. But when you look at a person that always brings her best, that always brings his best, that's the kind of person that that gets promoted, that, that gets to continue to step and step and step that God is looking for to use. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Work for the Lord. It is the Lord Christ that you are serving. Number two. We're always getting better. We're always getting better. I think about this, this church and the songs we just sang together, and some of you would be shocked by this. You, you have no clue, but for the first like two like and a half years of this church, I would come out with the guitar and lead all the worship, the whole set, and then I would run around backstage and behind the, the, the AMC Lennox and I'd change my shirt hoping nobody would notice that the same guy that was just sweating and leading worship and playing a guitar was now the pastor. And sometimes, you know, I miss it. You know, sometimes I, I kind of wish that I, I was still leading worship. But, but honestly, when I hear the sound that, that gets projected off of this platform, all I can say is I'm grateful that, that, that we've gotten better. Come on, somebody. Like, like, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that this thing is excelling. I'm, I'm grateful that, that uh, there's no place for me anymore on this stage to sing. I, if I did, and sometimes I do, you know, every once in a while, I'll grab a microphone and people think, oh, that's cute. You know, our pastor thinks he can sing still. <laughs> but can we put the microphone back in Patrick's hands? Come on, in Nathan's hands, in Kiam's hands? Can, can we get Tanisha up here instead, Jordan up here instead? Like, oh, look at Pastor Chad. <laughs> but for real, though, can we, can, we, can, we, can we get it better? Can we make it better? Because we, we know what worship supposed to sound like. And I've had, I've had people say to me over the years, like, like, don't you think we emphasize this excellence thing too much? Like, Jesus loves everybody, and we're just a church. And I'm like, yeah, Jesus loves everybody. So what? Isn't Jesus worthy of our, not just any praise, but, but highest praise? Isn't Jesus worthy of our best? And, and maybe you, you and I just, we're not looking at the same word because we're not just a church. See, what we do is more important than what Amazon does. What we do is more important than what, 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 what Apple does. See, they just make phones and technology. We're making heaven full. Come on, somebody. We, we've been given the only mission that matters. Oh, we, we use Apple like a tool to make heaven full. Oh, we use Amazon like a tool to make heaven full. But they're not doing any more important work than we're doing. We're doing the most important work there's ever been. We're not just a church. I want to encourage you to, to look, look, look at this verse in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 29. Do you see somebody skilled in their work? They'll serve before kings. Do you see somebody that excels in worship? They'll, they'll worship from the platform. The rest of us can worship from our seat. Come on, somebody. It's okay. We've all got a gift. We've all, got a, we've all got a purpose. God's, God's gifted each one of us in a certain way. He, he, you've got a certain grace that's upon you. you. You've got a certain anointing that's on you. And, and, and our job as a church is to help each other figure out that best and perfect place where we can fit to make heaven full. It's, it's not always about getting what we want. It's about doing whatever needs done. It's like some people, you know, you, you have any friends where, where they were just born looking mean? Anybody? Just born looking mean? Like, like, we're probably not going to put you on the door's degree because you're going to scare everybody away. Like, you just, you just look mean. But we might ask you to serve on the, the safety team. Because the moment they see that little earpiece and they see you're looking mean, they're not going to mess with you. We're always getting better. Do yourself a favor, Proverbs 19:9. 9. Learn all that you can. Then remember what you learn and you will prosper. Our team, our staff team, every Monday for about 15 minutes, we'll break out into three groups, one for Polaris, one for Short North, one for Hilliard. And we do something called wins and misses. We just draw a line down the whiteboard, wins on one side, misses on the other, about seven and a half minutes for the wins, seven and a half minutes for the misses. And uh, this past Monday, uh, I, I promise you, in all of those spaces, the first win celebrated was last Sunday, 71 people were saved. Come on, somebody. 71 people said yes to Jesus. That's a win. And so everybody's standing in a circle. 71 people saved. Everybody, everybody celebrates. What else, where else did God move? What's a ministry moment? What's a story? What, what, what did God do? Oh, we gave away two cars, three cars to the Dream Center. Come on, put that in the win category. This, this is incredible. God, God is working. He's doing incredible things. We're all grateful to be here. Okay, seven and a half minutes is up. Let's talk about the misses. And, and it's not uncommon for the misses category to be longer than the wins category. Because we're hard on ourselves. We're hard on ourselves. If you see a mistake made, if you see an error on the screen, or, or you notice something's out of place, oh, we've, 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 we've probably noticed it. We're, we're probably agonizing over. We, we, we actually have to remind ourselves all the time, check your feelings at the door. Maybe I dropped the ball. I better be the first one in that space to say, I dropped the ball. I'm not going to do it again. Like th- th- What we do matters more than anything. And we'll go through. We're hard on ourselves. We'll, we'll look, where did we not do our best? What, what was missing this past weekend? Maybe uh, did, did, we, did we say something we shouldn't have said? Did we do something we shouldn't have done? Did, did we miss something anywhere? And then once that is finished, those seven and a half minutes are up, there, there, there's a staff person's name put next to each miss so that this week that person is responsible to make sure hey we don't do that again we fix what's broken we we correct what's not our best right now why because we always bring our best and we're always getting better number three we're always grateful we never grumble we're always grateful we never grumble You can view life as a burden or you can view life as a gift. You can view ministry as an option and a burden or you can view ministry as every opportunity, every space I step into that is a ministry moment and I'm grateful. Philippians chapter two, it says this, do all things without grumbling, arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. This is God's will for you who belong to Christ. Psalm 97, rejoice in the Lord and give thanks always. Again, Colossians 3.17, whatever you do in word, in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to God the Father through him always keep grumbling in your marriage and Watch your marriage crumble. Keep keep grumbling in the workplace, and you see how that goes for you. Keep keep being a grumbler among your friends, and and you see how long they want to be your friends still. You you, you show up grateful in every circumstance. You you, you be grateful from the heart. You you, you be joyful unto the Lord because joy doesn't have to do with being happy about my circumstance. Happiness is fleeting, but joy is everlasting. Joy is eternal. Joy is, is from the Spirit of God, and I can choose to have joy no matter what you be a joyful person to be around, even when it's hit the fan all around you and the people know it's hit the fan. you be a joyful person. You watch. You're honoring God. You're inspiring people to follow him. Number four, what if we always kept our word? We always keep our word. If you keep your word, the world won't know what to do with you. <laughs> they just won't know what to do with you. Don't be like the, the politician who says, One thing to get elected and then does another thing once he or she is elected. Don't be like Proverbs chapter 20. Everybody talks about how loyal and faithful he is. But just try to find somebody who really is. Do what you say you're going to do. In July at one of our youth nights, um, I heard one of our youth pastors on stage, he was telling all the students, he said, next month in August, you got to bring all your friends to youth night. We're going to blow up the budget for you. We're going to break the bank. It's going to be awesome. Biggest one ever. So I pulled him aside afterwards and I said, hey, about that break the bank statement that you made, <laughs> um, the blow up the budget. I said, um, and I, I knew there was already a plan. I just wanted to reinforce this value. I said, I said what's the plan to really blow up the budget well? Like, if you're going to blow up the budget, can, can, can we just make sure? I want to make sure when my kids walk in, I want to make sure when our kids walk in, when they bring their friends, they get off the bus, they get out their car, that they can see instantly they mean so much to this church. We're investing heaven and earth in them. We're, we're, we're doing whatever it takes to win their friends to Jesus. We're doing whatever it takes to inspire the next generation to carry this torch after us and to love Jesus with all their heart. And, and I said, I just want to make sure you're not telling them you're going to break the bank, but then they show up and it's just another year youth night he's like oh no man we've got plans and here they are and I was like I know I knew you did I knew you did I just wanted to reinforce the value do what you say you're going to do you'll shine like a star in the sky number five we always go the extra mile we always go the extra mile Jesus is Referring in to, to, in Matthew chapter 5, a, a common practice of, of his day, the, the Roman Empire had this rule for their soldiers who, who would often travel miles and miles and miles a day. That a soldier, when, when he was traveling, could, could select a person from any town or as they were passing them by on any road, they could take a person who was not in the army and, and they, could, they could make that person carry their armor and carry their gear, but only for one mile. And after that one mile, they'd have to find somebody else to carry their armor, carry their gear. But it was a way of lightening their load as their journey was often long. But, but they could only demand their ar- armor be carried one mile, their gear. And Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 41. He says, hey, when a soldier asks you to carry his gear for one mile, what if you were the kind of person that said, you know what? I know I don't have to, but I'm going to. I'll carry it too for you. See, because I'm being made to go one mile. So if I just go one mile, I'm not standing out. But if I go an extra mile, you're not going to know what to do with me. And you might even say, why did you do that? Why, why did you go the extra mile? I, I, you're, only, you're only required to do this much. You, you went above and beyond. Why would you do that? And you could say, because God loves you and he has a plan and a purpose for your life. And I'm just trying to do everything that I do as if under the Lord. And they're going to look at you like you're nuts but I promise you that's going to make an impression. I preach these messages to, to a segment of our team every week just to get feedback, and, and I asked this question. I said, I said how much is a, a burger flipper worth? Uh, because, because we live in a culture, let, let's be honest, we live in a culture that, that expects maximum pay for minimum work. And, and I'm not, this isn't a minimum wage conversation. I, I get, I'll leave that to smarter people. But all I'm saying is there is a point at which you, you got to draw the line. Like how much is a burger flipper worth? Now, if that's what you do and you love flipping burgers and that's fulfilling to you, then, then keep on flipping. But we, the, you, you got to ask the question, how much is flipping this burger really worth? Now, I would submit to you it's worth as much as you want it to be worth. Because somebody on our staff, and I forgot to write down the name, um, so I apologize, but, but they, they raised their hand and they said, well, it's, it's actually worth a lot because um, I think he was the CEO of McDonald's. He became the CEO or the CFO, one of the C's of, of McDonald's. And, and, um, but, but he got his start as a burger flipper. So you might be flipping burgers and, and, and you just want maximum pay for minimum work. But, but what if instead of expecting maximum pay for minimum work, you put in maximum effort for whatever that minimum pay is, and, and you, you became the best burger flipper that, that your boss has ever seen, you, you might just find yourself overseeing all the other burger flippers who are a lot lazier than you because you show up on time and when you're not flipping burgers you're washing the floor you're cleaning the floor you 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 notice when you're not flipping burgers that cashier needed a a little help so you you threw your gloves off you ran and you helped him you helped her then you went back to flipping burgers and and somebody notices like like that's not your job i know but they needed help that's not your job i know but the toilet was dirty that that, that's not your job i know but that sign outside needs fixed that wasn't your job i know but the grass looked terrible outside this business so i went ahead and i cut it but it's not your business i I know, but I'm gonna treat it like it is because my Bible tells me that everything I do, I ought to do it as unto the Lord. If, you, if you've got ambition and you, you've got drive and, and you've got the wherewithal to, to, to see issues that need fixed and you don't have to have anybody ask you to fix it, you just become a fixer, you you become a problem solver, you become a solution to the people that you work for, you might not just be over, overseeing burger flippers, you might be overseeing a whole shift of, of people working, you might be overseeing a, a whole room, a, a whole business, you you might be owning that business someday, but, but why? Because you always brought your best, because you were always getting better because you showed up and you didn't grumble about the minutia that you were asked or expected to do you were grateful for the opportunity to live and to wake up every day and to put your hands to work and you always kept your word and you showed up on time and you always went the extra mile because let's be honest it's not man we're working for it's God and I love this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It says, The quality of each of our work will be seen when the day of Christ exposes it. For that day's fire will reveal all of our work. The fire will test it and show if its real quality. And if it survives, he will receive a reward. But if it burns up, he will lose it. But he himself will be saved. I've preached this often and the, the, the meta-narrative of this passage has to do with work that's meaningless versus work that matters. Work that shows up in heaven versus work that will never show up in heaven. We also can't miss the, the, this this current that flows throughout all the word. Whatever we do in word or in deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. That every work, every thing we do, it is ministry unto the Lord. And we give thanks to God the Father through Christ because of what we get to do, because of how we're created to produce. So let me ask you, what's your worth? What's your work worth? What is your work worth? Are you living this out? Do you you always bring your best? Are you always getting better. There's a story in Genesis 24. It's an Abraham story. Abraham has a son Isaac. He is looking for a wife for his son Isaac. But he's living among the Canaanites. He doesn't want to find a wife among the Canaanites. So he, he, he calls in a, a servant of his, Eliezer, and he sends Eliezer back to where he's actually from to find a wife for his son Isaac. And Eliezer comes up with a plan, and he says to the Lord, I'm going to make my way to a well and I'm going to wait there at the well and I'm going to ask a woman for a drink and I'm going to wait for the right woman and I'll know it's the right woman. Here's the test. If the woman says to me, sure, I'll give you a drink and I'll also bring water for each of the 10 camels that you're traveling with, then that's how I'm going to know this is the wife for Isaac. I know it's a strange story and What's this have to do with anything that that you've talked about? Well, listen, Rebecca shows up at this well. Eleazar is there looking for a wife for Isaac. Eleazar asks Rebecca for a drink. Rebecca says, I'll give you a drink and I'll also bring a drink for each of your 10 camels. Now, it doesn't sound like much is required, but, but really there's a lot that Rebecca doesn't quite know. One, she doesn't know this is a test, that he's already made this deal with the Lord. She doesn't know it's a test. The other thing she doesn't know is, how thirsty are these 10 camels? Because if I'm drawing a single bucket out of this well for Eleazar, he can't even drink the whole bucket. So it's it's a one trip deal and I'm done. You take a drink, I'll take a drink. Everybody's good, I'm going home. But a camel, if you look this up, a camel can drink as much as 20 to 30 gallons all by himself. So she doesn't know If they've been traveling far, if these camels are bone thirsty, like completely dry, or if they just had a drink, she doesn't know if she's making a two, three gallon commitment, two or three uh, buckets uh, worth of water, or if she's making a two to 300 gallon commitment. She's just there to serve. I think it's interesting because when you, when you look at the story, she ends up marrying the, the, the second wealthiest man and In all the Middle East Isaac and and she becomes the mother of a nation she she finds herself now in the 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 lineage of King David the lineage of Jesus himself I mean Jesus comes through her lineage she's a part of Jesus lineage why because she showed up and she looked at a job that seemed quite mundane, that didn't seem to be connected to any real true purpose or calling, but she went the extra mile. And how many of you would just be a tad grateful if you knew the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Messiah, Jesus might come through your family. Come on somebody, just might come through you. Like, like he, he might just be coming through your seed, through, through, through your line, your family line. Like, How amazing would that be? Becca had no idea. She went the extra mile. Jesus went the extra mile. Jesus who said, greater love has no one than this, than, than he who lays down his life for a friend. And Jesus, if you know anything about Jesus, he never, he never taught anything or told us to do anything that he was unwilling to do himself. So when it came time to, to lay down his life, are, are these people worth it? Lord, for, for you to lay down your life for them? He said, absolutely. The Bible says that though we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God, the, the gift of, of eternal life is through Christ Jesus our Lord, that he gives us the gift of forgiveness in life, that everyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. The only reason that, that we're able to be forgiven and saved through Christ is because he was willing to go the extra mile. He, he went to the cross for you and for me. He allowed his life to be to be taken from him. He he gave his life. He he gave his life up for us. Then he was raised from death to life. And his presence is what you're sensing in this space, in this room, in your prison cell right now. And, And if you've not been saved and you're not forgiven and you're not right now on your way to heaven, you can be all of that right now if you would just pray with me. Matter of fact, everybody close your eyes and bow your head. And I want you just to pray this prayer. Jesus, I need you. I trust you as Lord and Savior of my life. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit as I choose to walk with you, follow you, and live my life for you. Lord, I pray for this church that we would not just show up to church, but that we would be the church that we'd get back to building your church, that we'd get back to making heaven full together. May we be a people filled with ambition, whatever our place, whatever our space, that we would bring you our best, that we would keep getting better, that we would be a people that keep our word always, that we would, that we would live lives of excellence, lives that is, honor you, and make the people around us want to know more about you. May we be that kind of church, that kind of people. In Jesus' name, everybody said. amen. Come on, would you stand up on your feet as we continue to worship him today?